This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard and alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. And joining us uh, in, I think, I believe his third guest appearance, the pride of Huddersfield AAP journalist, George Clark. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so I counted both draft episodes as two separate episodes. And if people didn't listen in the off-season to our fantasy expansion draft podcast, you should. Some of the finest content and loosest content, I'd say, that we ever made. Um, and George, I'm not going to say that you single-handedly mean Tepai Maroa into the Melbourne Storm first grade team, but um, would you like to take some credit for that? Uh, I'd like to take all the credit for that, please. Okay. That was completely my doing, so I'll take all the credit for that. Yeah, Thank well, you. Tepai Maroa played first grade, Esma Mam didn't. So, you know, who had a better draft? <laughs> That's- oh, yes. <laughs> yes. My, uh, my Dom Young pick's looking terrible, isn't it? It's looking uh, ten- that- yeah. Hey, didn't get, it, didn't, didn't get any Dally M points. So. Mate, Dom and I, and I had Dan Gagai. <laughs> My team's Fine. looking terrible. But I had Dangago. No, I got him. Are you sure? Yep. Seems like very much like someone I would have drafted. Anyway, it, it does matter. sound like something you would right. do, but you drafted terribly, so that didn't work. Uh, that's not true. I had the best team <laughs> to the point where even your Sims had to concede that my team was good. Anyway, another well, point. Well, well, ha- Harvey said it was your team was the best. Yeah. Your anyway, but we're, we're getting. We're, we're, I think that might be a new record for digression, but all right. So let's uh, jump anyway, we're going to go over the, the uh, Western Sugar Lights back line. I'm looking at it right now. Dangago and Dom Young are both in it. Okay, great. You got a 32 year old and yeah. uh, someone. Your uh, fraud fullback's not even playing first grade. Who's that? Joseph Sawali. Oh, right. Fuck off. He's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a fraud. Doesn't even yeah. know his team, mate. They're no, that's no a fair point. All right. Yeah. Anyway, people miss out in the offseason. You should definitely go and listen to that. Uh, George is probably the standout. Just ripping chip bags open, throwing the microphone around. Didn't give a fuck. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> And uh, I'll tell you what, the Penrith Panthers were throwing the ball around without giving much of a fuck on Thursday night as they got their premiership defence off to a red-hot start, absolutely blowing Manly off the park. Something that bypassed me, but not you two gentlemen, when we talked about it before we started playing, uh, before we started recording, was that for some reason Manly were the favourites with the bookmakers at kickoff of this game. And I know Nathan Cleary is a great player, but like that to me, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, whatever, but even that to me is absolutely flabbergasted. It is. like um, Yeah, I mean... After you, Mitchell. Yeah, I, I can't. People who listen new in the past, whatever, I can't punt on, you know, I've got a contract that I can't punt on it and it's just through work. I'm not allowed to touch it. I have no insider knowledge that it make me any better at this. It probably saves me money. So I don't really track who's the favorite throughout the week, or whatever. You kind of generally know you got a tip. And I noticed like an hour before kickoff, I went to do my tips and I was like, wait, Manly are the favorite? What the hell is going on? And like, yeah, I could, if I had money, I couldn't have put more on Penrith because I know. Nathan Cleary, one of the best players in the competition. But I don't know what people thought was going to happen in this game. Like Penrith still had their forward pack. They still had Luai. They still had Coruscant. And Sean O'Sullivan's a capable backup, as we saw. And they monstered them to the middle for the entire goddamn game. Which, and, uh, like, yeah, apparently, Manly were the favourites. So. And, like, that's Manly's biggest problem. It was their biggest problem last year. It's why they got pumped by Melbourne and South in those two finals games, because their forwards, as great as Tom Tavoyevich is and as solid as Daly Cherry Evans is, their forwards are just not as good as the forwards on those teams. So the way this game went, George, is pretty much... I mean, it's not a surprise to me. What about you? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. I, I think you talk about the pack and yeah, like I'm looking at the numbers and, and there are three guys in the starting side who, who clocked 100 metres and, and Bullimore wasn't far behind. But like, I often think 
I think you saw this when the Storm played them, but the, the key to beating Manly is getting Jason Sark, kicking the ball to Jason Sark, which sounds counterintuitive because he's so quick, but he's not a great yardage man. And then that starts Trevojevic off from the back foot. And then they can have two tackles and have gone next to nowhere. So, like, I'm not saying drop Jason Saab because there's obviously benefits to his game, but, like, I don't know. I feel like they needed a yardage man there to, to kind of mm-hmm. help Tom out the backfield. Like, they re-signed George Tafura, and I'm not saying pick George Tafura ahead of Jason Saab, but, like, for all his deficiencies, that guy's pretty good at just getting through 150 metres of, you know, 15 carries out the backfield. So, I think they need something like that. I'm not saying it is him. If but they like, want to take Josh Mansour, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, I think we'd all pass on that one. He'd go and draft it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So th- th- I think that's the biggest worry for me is that when Jaboyevich gets the ball on first or second tackle, he's often they teams gang up on him and they gang up on Saab and drag him back. And Penrith just did that really well. Yeah, uh, and like to me, and it's especially when you've gone through two years, like you get the sort of emotional. Like to finally win that premiership like they did last year after coming so close the year before and basically just playing at such a ridiculously high level for two seasons, you could be forgiven for thinking that they might sort of not have that same hunger for this third year and right? getting get asked getting asked mentally to get up for, to that gear that they've been at for two years for a third year. But uh, I mean, if you thought that, you are very silly because they looked exactly as arrogant and swaggerish as they did yeah. in the past two years. I mean, when they got a the couple of penalties early, I saw people going, oh, look at that. They're getting the they're just desserts for the six again. It was very funny. Manly got one. Did Manly get a penalty on, like, the first tackle of the game? <laughs> I was I like, no, but, like, I was I, I said to people then, like, at the, at live during the game, like, it doesn't, like, Penrith do not give a shit. They're good enough to not care about penalties. Like, the penalties coming back is going to be really good for, you know, other, worse teams against goodish teams or lower-level teams and other ways to win, whatever. We're more upset to Will, but Penrith are not going to give a shit. They're not going to stop giving penalties away. They're at that level. Just like when the Roosters are really good in, like, 2013, they didn't give a shit. Penrith are at that level. They don't care. They are They are so fit as well. They, because yeah, because so they use the side, right? But like, I looked at this a couple of weeks ago, and I think maybe only Coruscant's over 30. And the rest, of, even Fisher Harris is like twenty. They have the youngest. Like, they have the youngest average squad this weekend. It's, some, it's unreal, like how fit it's, they are. It's insane, dude. Um, Isaiah Yo played eighty minutes in round one to the quality he played it. He's fucking unreal. He was unreal. Martin was great. So was Fisher Harris, and it's like, yeah, that's that's why they don't care about the penalties that much because they're physical and fit the entire time and across the park pretty much. Like Charlie Staines is like he must. They must have sixteen weight machines there. Because like he's the one dude who hasn't been to the gym at Penrith, but he's the only one who hasn't got like packed muscle on. But you know, like Isaac Targo looked, you know, ready for first grade instantly. He's nineteen and he looks like anything and you know every bit of first grade footballer. But they were dominant throughout, and they will be missing players. They they've lost Moses Leota for, for for a couple of weeks, and they won't be the same quality across the park they were last year. You can't be with the players they've lost, but they're still going to be really, really quality. And with the changes in the rules, actually they've got a really good pack and it probably won't hurt them that much. Like they're still monster teams through the middle with the penalties back. I would say, I guess I'd say they were the most impressive team across all eight games. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd say yeah. them in Newcastle with the leap Newcastle made, but yeah, Penrith like dominant, dominant as. They could have won by more. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this game before we move on to the next one? Uh, but, well, Manly have some concerns in that pack. Mm. And 
people panic as they do after round one every week, but don't worry, they'll play some crap teams again and the people will fall for thinking they're going to beat good teams and they might come fourth or fifth. <laughs> but, round round three, Sunday afternoon against the Bulldogs. That's Tommy's yeah. time to shine. Yeah, but just we need to see them actually compete with some strong teams and it will get better. They will have Schuster back, which will put Bullmore back onto the bench and play in the middle. Things will get better for them in the in, in the forwards over time, but you know it, it's not really a, like Martin Tapao's best football is two years behind him. Sibley, Kepi, Paseka are all decent, and you know Tervovovic, Jake is not a great yard like meterage man. But they do need him. People like are going worse than me on what they think of Jake Turbo now, but like mm-hmm. they do need him and his passing. But yeah, they're not going to win physical contests in the middle. Isn't it? It's never going to happen if the game is won and lost in the middle of the field. Man, you're going to lose it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. All right, uh, jumping forward. Uh, really good game, this one. Canberra 24, Cronulla 19. Um, uh, you know, the faders were back again as they, what was it, seven times last year they threw away a, a lead in the second half or something like that. But um, And they did it again, but then they uh, they undid it. Jesse Ramian with a very silly penalty, putting them on the back foot in that last couple of minutes. Canberra got filled. Jack Whiten uh, spreads it at the right time. They get it. They get a game-winning try with a couple of minutes to go, and then they still nearly <laughs> nearly blew it on the last play of the game. But, man, I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 for the life of me, I couldn't understand why Brunilla didn't attack to their left, which was the Raiders' right, where they had Semi Valame playing at centre for the first time, apart from a couple of trials, and James Schiller, who I'd never not heard of before he got picked. Um, and it took until, like, the 60th minute or whenever it was when they scored uh, down that side to start going there and I just don't get why they didn't go there from the start like that was clearly a weakness to identify and it took them yeah the best part of an hour to go there and when they did they, they got tries I mean they kind of started possession the first half but yeah um, yeah I wasn't overly impressed by them and then Canberra I mean that was probably a imagine after the Ryan Sutton news and then they lose in the same fashion again they would have been all the same same talk that followed them around last year. So I guess it's a weight off their shoulders to, to get one, get a win first up. Yeah, it wasn't a particularly impressive performance for the full 80 for both teams. But I thought Raiders had the more impressive patches. And mm. the people know my thoughts on Kral from the preseason is that I don't think there's this guaranteed to be good. And I think we saw some of those things in this game is that not that they can't be good, but I think people might realize they're a bit more of a project than people expected them to be. Like Nico Hines can be a great halfback, but he is not right now. Like, yeah, he, he they, had some good moments and some bad moments. He got trapped on like their last cycle options might have been so the worst bad. in the competition they, of this week. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it needs to be him and Trindle. I think I don't know. If, yeah, I don't Trindle's know how back you can next play round, him. isn't he? So, yeah. So I uh, hopefully they just go back with that because I don't know if you can stick with. I think him and Moylan are too similar to keep yeah. doing this. And then Nick will be wearing a seven on his back, but not really be playing seven. Yeah, that'd be, exactly. it'd be fine. But like they need someone who has direction on last tackle or understands what they're supposed to on. Like Nico got caught on fourth, like four or five times. Like, dude, you can't keep doing that. Like, unless it's planned, you cannot get caught on the right-hand side of the field or similar. And the other half's nowhere near to be seen, mate. You can't do that. You know, Kendall's, like, not, even in, Kendall's not even in the 24. Yeah. He's, so is he suspended he was, this week still? Is he still suspended? Yeah. Okay. I think gotcha. so. Anyway, if he's not, yeah. that's bizarre. Uh, but yeah, and then you know, like some other things that the pack wasn't wasn't fantastic from the Sharks. I didn't think either. 
Yeah, uh, Trindle got a two-week suspension in their trial game. So there you go. There we go. Yeah, like, you know, I wasn't overly impressed, and I've said this before, like, everyone loves him, but Toby Rudolph didn't really impress me in this game. Neither did Hamlin Newelli. You know, I thought they got they got more a bit more out of the bench. But, yeah, I just don't think it's that fantastic of a team, you know, might, might be more to be seen. And whilst the, the, they were ahead and looked like they were going to win it and Canberra did have to come back and claim it, the periods of – I thought Canberra had much more bigger periods of dominance. I thought Papali uh, and Tarpanay looked great. Uh, Hudson Young had a really good game there. And whilst Harrow and I can do nothing but run lines, the lines he ran were nice. Like, he doesn't kind yep. of do anything else. Yeah, they don't. Um, I don't yeah, know no. why Schiller's playing there, mate. Like honestly, like I know the Croker stuff, whatever, whatever. But it every Raiders fan's already said this. It's like Matt Allwood in 2014, but I kind of expected this because of how he was picked, and he's picked ahead of Savage, and Rapana will be back next week, so he probably loses his spot. Yeah, he picked ahead of Savage, picked ahead of Croker, and I didn't know fuck all about him either, George. But I expected more, and it was just like, oh, this guy actually is just like was like a run of the mill footballer. There's, he only had seven carries, fifty six meters, or whatever. It's like, why the hell did they pick him? Uh, I don't know, Ricky. Yeah, it might just be a case of, oh, I don't know. Is he was he a good trainer in the preseason or whatever, and he wanted to reward him because he could. Um, but yeah, yeah, especially like, I mean, they would have had Seb Chris there, but. Um, I think he got COVID or like someone he was living with got COVID so he couldn't play. So he would have been a natural centre and then you would have had Valame on the wing and then yeah. Valame got moved to centre which frightens me whenever the ball goes outside because like he's clearly a guy who's, who's got the potential to be a good player but he's like just had no... He should have been playing New South Wales Cup last two, three years but hasn't had been. that chance. So yeah, it's kind yeah. of weird to get a read on his development. You know what I mean? The other good signs I thought for Canberra is like that was Jack Wine's best complete game in like two years. He was fantastic from start to finish. He was in everything good Canberra did. And he that last play can only happen with like Jack White in your team because it's something that good decision makers don't do what Jack White did. They don't run the ball where he ran it at the end of that game or give it to Shudson Young and then wrap around. They don't do that. But Sometimes when things are going white for white and he does the wrong thing the right way and he did the wrong thing the right way then and they won the fucking game and it was awesome. And, you know, when he's not having a great game, he does that and touch young and just gets hammered and it's over. <laughs> but, like, great little play. And they'd done that shot a lot last year with Elliot Whitehead and Hudson hadn't doesn't have didn't have the hands to do that. So it's good to see him offload and learn that. But the other massive thing for Canberra is, like, Whitehead at 13 was fucking awesome. It was great, yeah. Like... Yeah, he only has 64 meters and 13 runs if you look at the stat sheet, but he was like all over the park. He had, what did he have? Like, there we go, nine passes. Not that many, but he was like, a couple of times he did involvements he had, like down the right-hand side, a couple of dummies and a pass. He was awesome. And they could just build from there, I feel like, with Whitehead's role in the middle. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Friday night, second game. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you probably listened to our bonus pod that we did straight after the game. But um, yeah, Brisbane Broncos 11, South Sydney 4. Um, George, you may as well start with you because Mitch and I talked about this game for half an hour already. Um, strange, very strange result. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of like it's kind of hard to get a read on both these teams because there's so much, so much of the Reynolds stuff was kind of dominating. Would he, wouldn't he play? Um, and then Styles, I just really find hard to get a read on because there's been so much change and you know, like a first up game new coach, like they just all seemed off the boil. So maybe it's just that, but I thought Brisbane were really good. Haas, Haas was good. Like Pat Carrigan just stuck it up the jumper, which was good. Um, I don't like it when he tries to pass the ball. 
and thought Palacier was good as well. And then, yeah, just, you know, they could have had a couple more. I think Cobbo bombed on in the corner. Um, on about 70 in the old Selwyn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So the next whatever he's been like into this week. And then, you, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you have money on a Kirk Capewell winning field goal, uh on your coop, on your on your multi, you'd be you'd be a liar because that but that was pretty cool actually, and because of how dusty the pass was from Tyron Roberts, and he's just like give it here, I'll have a crack, and he just scooped it over one of the great moments. It was so good because he obviously like he's obviously had raps on himself as a goal kicker and told people at some point and people who don't know Kirk Capel's full history, he actually was a fullback in the juniors. He was a fullback at the Broncos like ten years ago in the twenties. So like he definitely has some ball skills we haven't always seen. But the way he sprinted over there, he's like, he just, he just knew he's like, I've got to fucking show these people that I can, I can kick field goals. <laughs> and the technique was perfect. It wasn't like the big fella having a hack at it. It was brilliant technique, that Capewell strike. But yeah, I think the Alex Johnson, the fullback stuff was huge for South because I know having spoken to people there after the game now, after we had our, our Patreon pod, they didn't really train with him at fullback at any point in preseason because he was the third choice. Like, Latrell's obviously back round two, Taft's the fullback round one. And we saw that in their shape going down the left-hand side. Like, it didn't really click very well. We spoke about this on the Patreon pod, but I think it's not that the South, South lost players, but I didn't, don't think any of us realized that was going to be how they're going to replace him, like putting Paulo at center. Hated it. Hated Paulo at left center. And they're doing it again this week, I guess. His hands are too slow, mate. Like, he was too slow to... There were so many times that they jammed on him on the left-hand edge because he they knew he had slow hands. Tony shot up at him, and a, yeah, a better bad. center, real bad. yeah, a better center could have done what the guy that they let go of, Braden Burns, did in the uh, Bulldogs game. The t- quick tap on, and they score in the corner. But Paulo chest grabs the ball and gets smashed like three or four occasions. Like he was really unimpressive, and and I guess he's there again this week. Yeah, it's that's that's going to be a big worry, and it kind of flew under the radar a little bit just how good. And I've been a Dan Gagai defender for a while. I found the Origin Gagai meme stupid last year and the year before because I think he was excellent for Souths in both twenty 2020 twenty and twenty one. But yeah, I mean, it really highlighted that a how bad Paulo was, and b how good Gagai was for Newcastle in the next game that we'll talk about. That it like kind of did fly under the radar a little bit. We talked about Reynolds extensively, but we didn't talk about Dan Gagai leaving all that much and. And I was never really a fan of putting Jackson Paulo at centre. I would have brothered Tane Milne, to be quite honest, or even Michael Cheekham. But, yeah, I, I didn't think it would be as bad as it was. And I'm sure getting Latrell Mitchell back will help all of that stuff. And not having Josh Mansour in the team will also help. But, yeah, it was it was real bad. And, again, it's difficult to read too much into just what a field day Selwyn Cobo had on that right wing. Because, again, Josh Mansour won't be there next Mansour. week. And most of, most of what went right for Brisbane in attack that nearly resulted in tries came at the expense of, of Mansour. But man alive, yeah, Jackson Polo, not particularly impressive. Um, Cody Walker, I think, was just had to do it all by himself. And we've seen in the past when he tries to do too much, things can go wrong. Um, yeah, he threw an intercept at Suncourt. Wasn't that hilarious? Um, that was quite Yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it was. Did it again. Uh, to the back-to-back yeah. premiers, mate. To the back. premiers yeah. back-to-back oh, okay. games. Um, but, like, yeah, there wasn't... Like, there's not a lot you can, like... There's not a lot of long-term stuff you can take out of it for Souths. They'll get Latron Mitchell back and they'll they'll put out Johnson back on the wing this week and they'll be a different team with just as a result of those two personnel changes. But yeah, that center thing is a real issue. And when you rely so much on your left-hand attack to get you the vast majority of your points, I don't know if just sticking a sort of stopgap there is 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 good enough. 
also it's not just him. It's like okay, I really rate Joe Arrow, but that that can't like that's the same thing. Like when they let go of Sua, you understand it. So I don't even love Sua anyway. Yep, Sua, good. He can go. Yeah, Gaga can go. They'll replace him. Reynolds can go. Whatever. And Reynolds they had replaced, and we know that didn't go well. But Milford was going to be there. But the other two, it's like you're you're seriously telling me that they came to the season that there was just like it was going to be Arrow on the edge with host off the bench, and then Jackson Paulo. That's it. They just didn't do anything I else, or they. I, I didn't mind the Arrow starting and then host coming on. I thought Jairo played quite well, and host was whatever. But like. Yeah, if you're gonna, but at what point do you just just put Campbell Graham on the other side if you're not gonna get someone else? Like, or just put yeah. Keon on the other, just put them both on the left. Who gives a shit? Doesn't fucking just matter. The whole thing. If you never go right yeah. anyway, then what different? Like, they just wasted out there regardless. Like, Campbell Graham got the ball in space once and he made like a forty meter line break. And it's just like, why not just go that way a little bit more often? I don't know. Yeah, and and I do think uh, George mentioned earlier. I do think South did turn up thinking they were going to win that game. I don't, they fully respected Brisbane and respected the impact of the change, the rule changes that. It wasn't as fast as last year. Brisbane weren't as gassed as teams were last year. And they tried to go left a lot more, a lot faster than they should have very often. They hadn't earned the right to do it. Like the old school way of pound up the guts and go left or spread. They weren't really doing that a lot. They were trying to score on like trick shots on tackle two or three and just killing sets. And it was quite obvious that Damien Cook hasn't got a trust factor with Lachlan Ilias yet going down that right-hand side. But South, you know, almost made as many meters as Brisbane Similar amount of line breaks, or, you know, and and they had lots of, lots of opportunity in the second half, but they couldn't do anything with it. Like, you know, they got they did score a try, but they didn't really look like scoring most of that second half. And for Brisbane, mm-hmm. I will mention that one guy you you spoke about there, George. And funnily enough, you say you don't want Pat Carrigan passing it. Neither do I usually, but in review of the game, he actually had a career high in passes. Which what it tells me is that they weren't shit house. Because when he usually passes right, usually he's such an awkward passer, it stands out. So you yeah. notice, you're like, geez, can he just stop doing that? Because he had been that. In this game, he threw 13 passes. He's only thrown 10 or more passes twice in his career before that. Uh, the other two took 80 minutes, 70 minutes to do so. He played 57 minutes in this game and threw 13. And the first, like, eight or nine of them, all they are is tip on to pain Haas. He takes no steps forward, but he just tips on a pain Haas for the first half. But in the second half, he actually started, you know, in the in the Brisbane spreads, he was the first receiver and he threw a couple of nice long passes there. And I guess they were just getting his confidence in that. But it was good to see that as a Brisbane fan because obviously we've heard about Pat Carrigan for five or six years that he's going to be this and going to be that. And he never was this or he never was that. Then he missed time and we heard all the things he was going to work on. It looks like he may have actually worked on those things, you know. He came out in better shape. He actually did pass the ball decently. And it was the first time in his career he's cracked 150 meters playing less than 60 minutes. You know, it's the fourth most meters he's made in the game. He looked like a different player than he looked like in the past. And yeah, if that's yeah. what we keep getting from Pat Carrigan, I'll get on board the Carrigan ship, mate. I'll act like I always liked him. You'll never hear me. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know? I reckon I reckon his past is last year but worse because it was often like it was like, oh, someone else do the work or kind of just playing yeah. it like passing someone because it's like we have no clue what we're doing. Because that 100%. was often how it felt the last two years. You know? um, I still think he's a prop, and I'd rather have maybe have a Hebbington longer term. Hundred um, percent, oh, mate. You can still pass a prop, though, can't he? You can still yeah, do yeah, tip ons exactly. to Haas. And yeah, like, because yeah, like, a good friend Campo spoke to him preseason, and he and uh, Carrigan had said that like he'd been watching Cam Murray vision with, with Adam Reynolds about passing, and and Campo asked my opinion of that, and I was like. 
it shouldn't fucking take Adam Reynolds to get to the club to realize he should have to pass the ball. You know, that was my yeah. main take. It was like a 13 having to pass him in the thing before the rule change. I mean, I think for like a decade, they like could be passing in at 13. So that annoyed me, but clearly he's been working on it through some nice passes. So maybe you can have a better role there. And there's no need to wrap Payne Haas. Payne Haas is, is amazing. We all know this. Uh, I am concerned about Jake Turpin. He sucks. That's my, <laughs> my last take. Yeah. Um, and if you want to hear more about that game, probably if you're a Broncos fan, not so much if you're a South fan, uh, you can become a Patreon subscriber. Go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You'll get bonus podcasts throughout the year. Uh, you'll get access to our Discord server, which is really good. Uh, rookie takes, nominations, priority at question time. Uh, merchandise, new merchandise coming soon. And a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers. They had a huge influx this week. So some new names on this list. And a thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayne Ritchie, Alex Sergicomi, Anthony Anger, Ben Wallace, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Frankie, Jace G, James K, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Joey Gooch, Josh Brandon, Josh Tomo 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, lifelong Dolphins fan, Maddie Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard nine, sad, never trendy, party keg, Pete Fulcher, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Schneider Pilt score, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Swarzy, Ty, TB, the black vegetable, the human ice cream, the not so mature age student, <laughs> Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Woz. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Shout out to Human Ice Cream. He's paying in pounds. We got our first international patron, I think. No, that's second. We had another one. They had Euros to like two or three. Oh, years. right. Oh, so I only see the I only maybe was that in one of the lower tiers? Yes. Oh, okay. the first international patron you care about. <laughs> well, no, but I, they, I don't look at the like, I don't extensively comb through the list, just the ones I read out. But more importantly, Joey Gooch, add that to the Hall of Fame of names. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I do want to Georgian. say one thing too, by the way. Fuck, it's nice to, to, the whole round was great, but fuck, it was nice to win a low scoring, mm. grinding fucking game. Like, yeah, God. I'm really, I'm really like, happy for you. I know you're not, but it's like the whole time, because like this Brisbane team was capable. Like, this team, this weekend's team wasn't that far different to how they played last year. It really wasn't. It was like effort, failure to execute. Like, they make opportunities and they block bomb them. It weren't that far different, but they fucking won because you can win like that again when there's penalties in the game. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have pro six again, aren't you, Bungers? And like, throw yeah, bring it back, bring, bring it back. back. This is bullshit. <laughs> All the shit teams are getting close again. I don't like it. They should know their place. Stay down below. Um, and before we move on, uh, I mentioned the culture shank up there in our Patreon. Uh, all three of us lost in week one. There's absolute carnage. Less than half the people that tip this week, and we've got a, I think, a huge, huge, uh, I think it's like 150 people almost this year. Uh, Less than half tipped correctly because there was huge chunks of people that tipped the Cowboys, Rabbitohs, and Roosters. So all three of us off to an L. Mitch and I both had the Broncos. George had the Cowboys. Um, I'm annoyed myself because... What did I say? Broncos. Oh, well, sorry. Against the Broncos. Um, And yeah, I'm annoyed. Every other year we've done this and that like both podcast and back at work when like a mate ran it. Um, I've always tipped Storm week one. Every single fucking time. And I don't know why I didn't do that this week. I don't know why I didn't do that. I know why you did it. You were doing the emotional hedge, and I respect it. I don't know why I, I feel did great. It. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> the people are gonna have a lead on us, and everyone else yeah. should feel terrible. Picked us, and George did what I would have like. I was also considering doing it. Was picking the Cowboys, so you don't have to worry about them for the rest of the year. Well, now he's yeah. done with picking them. I yeah, mean, but he did pretty get much a win. So. Like, <laughs> okay, when when else is someone? When are you gonna pick them though in the future? No, when it's they play the Bulldogs point. again. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit late to. I guess you can still join if you become a patron this week. You just start a week behind. Although again, given that like eighty out of the hundred and fifty people lost, you won't be that far behind. In fact, you'll have a you'll have an even for it against. So you'll be ahead of us. Um. All right. Moving on. The three o'clock game. Should we do that pick this... for that since we mentioned it. Should we do that? Oh, pick? Uh, yeah. Right. Uh. Yeah. We should. Sorry. I. Um. You don't have to do yours yet, George. But me, no, he me does. and uh, Bungard do. <laughs> so I'm I'm almost right. crazy enough to pick the Broncos now. Yeah, but I still which, think I should probably wait a couple of weeks to do that. Right. Like, so you, yeah. So the only rule for us is we can't tip against the Broncos, which would be the Bulldogs, which we wouldn't be doing anyway. Uh, and pick you obviously South can't against South the, two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. Look, I haven't had a proper look at this yet, um, but I. I'm tipping pro- Penrith. Yeah, I was thinking the same. It's just bold, a nice, bold, easy. Bold, bold, bold. Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, I, was mate, I, went, I didn't go bold last week, and I, but you look at it like again. Everyone now knows. Last year, I tried to keep strategy closer to the chest, but to get an advantage. But I always try and pick as many away teams as I can early in the year. Like yeah. you know, whatever. Because like, yeah. later uh, in the year, also, I'm also taking Penrith. It's really easy to like away team. It sounds like it doesn't matter, but it actually does matter. Home and away split, and yeah. it gets difficult at some point. Um, so I like to have a way ones wrapped up because when you want to pick a shit team you're never picking them away you're never I, picking... I, I, yeah i considered the raiders this week but their fans are all adamant they're going to lose to the cowboys so i didn't touch them um eels was kind of tempting they'll probably beat the sharks but i don't know and warriors titans game could be a coin flip so i don't know so Panthers seems like Ra- very, yeah you gotta pick the raiders like at a campo time like over the storm or something ridiculous that's what the raiders well, he do. Can do that that's i, <laughs> I will well, yeah, the last time I tipped them was at home against the Titans and they lost like 40 to 6. It was very upsetting. Um, but regardless, all right, end this for both of us this way. George, you can say you're tipping now or you can wait. Uh, yeah, oh, probably Penrith. He, yeah. he, he could change okay. it anyway. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so moving moving on, uh, a game that causes absolute Coltrane carnage as well. And there was a lot of smug people who said, oh, I tipped the Roosters. I'm so glad I tipped the Roosters after South lost. Well, suck on that because you lost by double the amount of points. Knights 20, Roosters 6, almost held them trialless. Um, Dan Gagai's really good. And Dom Young's really good. And Jake Clifford was fucking fantastic. And we've been Jake Clifford believers for a long time. So that felt like a nice bit of indication. Um, where, can, where do you want to start? Because, like, I want to start probably somewhere the obvious different, story. But, okay. Mate, I want to start at Adam Clune. Yeah, all right. Spent the all worst, the worst halves pairing in the league. Yes, the worst halves pairing. Yeah. Like, again, Clune is not what anybody wants. Everyone Tom knows Dean and Chad Townsend was a halves pairing this weekend, and people Correct. have the temerity to call the Knights the worst like, halves pairing in the league. They they lost Jaden Braley. I get it, huge, you know, and they put Clooney, and everyone thinks they've lost Pierce. But did they not move the ball so much goddamn better without M- Mitchell overrated fucking Pierce in the way that the ball sung across the pitch for Newcastle? They were they were great, and right, and it starts from as you said Clifford. But I also give Clune credit because everyone was shitting on Adam Clune. Almost, like, you know, there's a lot of Clifford fans out there and the Cowboys aren't them, but the rest of us are. are. We all love Clifford, all sorts of potential. We're all very happy with how well he played. But I was like, yeah, him and Adam Clune, you know, those guys played really well in this game and showed that, yeah, those they're good enough to steer an NRL team around. Maybe not every week. Maybe they'll have some bad games, but they're not the worst hardest pairing in the competition. Those ridiculous takes. Yeah, I was really... I was- I- I went up to the trial against the Bulldogs, and yeah, it's the Bulldogs, but Clune looked really good in that trial, and I was like, hmm, maybe they aren't going to be so bad. And then you throw in Gagai doing some really good stuff, and Dom Young, uh, like as a Huddersfield, it was great to see yeah. 
the little little town beating Sam Walker from Leeds. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the dirty neighbours from up the road. So that that was a good result. Um, well, you can uh, you can say Huddersfield as well. Block a roach can't take Uddersfield. <laughs> like, God, yeah. that was awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I I thought Dom Young was great. I thought Dan Gagai was the best player in the park. Maybe aside from Clifford, um, still really upset that we let him go. But it's nice that he's getting the respect he deserves. Apart from the Dalian voting, obviously, where neither he nor Dom Young got any. Caleb Pong got this respect he definitely deserved. He, the, he this, the, all right, so all right, let's not waste too much time bitching about Dalians being insanely dumb because they are dumb. But the fact that the entire narrative on the broadcast after the game, including the questions that they asked Caleb Ponga himself, was about how the Knights won without Caleb Ponga having to play well. And then the Dalian votes come out and he gets two points. Like, who, did, who, did, who did the vote for that game? I didn't see. I thought it might have I been Blocker, which would have been even yeah. more hilarious because he was on the coverage of the game and was like literally like part of this narrative. I can't remember who it was now, but man, it's just so dumb. But like but Gagai was... and Young were both fantastic. Oh. Didn't get <laughs> it was Steve Blocker. Jesus Christ, <laughs> mate! You <laughs> were on the broadcast. Three, <laughs> two, came one. I thought. On that, the... I thought. I thought this was one of Tyson Frizzell's. Actually, he's probably didn't hit the heights that everyone expected him to it. At Newcastle, but I thought he was pretty solid. Um, right. He was. I thought he was really good. But yeah, I, it was funny. It was probably their best win with Kalapong on the side. They didn't rely on Kalen since he's been there. Like everyone else was great. And this is the same old thing. Like the rules are okay ish now, so I can bitch about Dally M's again. Back to the old bitching. It's the same old shit, man. If you're in, like, it's, if you're a small town team out of Sydney, so if you're like the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Knights, yeah. the Warriors. Even the storm counting that. Yeah. If you're the big name of that club, you get Dally and White, White and Ponga Reese Walsh always getting points that don't deserve. Steve, now you can't gamble on that. No, you can't gamble on the Dally M. I was really hoping there'd be a market for Ben Hunt because yeah. I thought yeah. Dragons are probably going to win a few more games this year and, and he's going to be credit. the guy and he'll get all the credit. Um, and he already did this week too. He got, he, he got votes he shouldn't have got this week yeah. too. Ben um, Hunt. Like, it's, fine, it's, um, but yeah. Anyway, back to this game before we get on to the Dragons, who were very good. Um, are the Roosters frauds? <laughs> the Roosters have actually always been pretty average in round one. Hey, like, I know different last year, they smashed Mandy, but some, a lot of Trooks fans were expecting not to start well. There's some, some weird things, but Robbo does weird things early in the year often. We spoke about that in the Roosters preview. It's like, so Sam Walker was on the left now with Satili Tupanua was on that left. Kiri's on the right. Like Hargrove's down off the bench. Joseph Manu actually played wing, even though he was named in the centers. And then Billy Smith was so bad that Billy Smith got pulled. It's like, he was, he was, concussed. Oh, so he got concussed. Sorry. He was forced off like Victor Radley was terrible one, but the, the, whatever that'll, the doctors will learn. They'll get better at that. But yeah, like the Roosters weren't very good. It's just more this type of win again. We didn't expect this stuff to happen and we kept waiting for the Roosters to get on top, but it didn't happen. Like the Knights yeah. dominated and stayed on top the entire game. And we've got used to the last couple of years that the good team just wins. It was great to see underdog dominate. Like not just win, they dominated that from opening kickoff to the end of the game. And it didn't stop. I, I kept thinking the Knights, they'll hit a wall and the Roosters will storm back. And even when they scored that uh, third try and then Phoenix Crossing got Simbin, I'm like, oh, doors open. Didn't matter. They stomped them. Yeah. But the, the Roosters will get better, mate. They'll, a lot of those guys are coming back from 
not playing not playing footy last year. They'll, they'll get better in a couple of weeks. Are we saying Brewster's Mally on Friday is a, is a four points? Yeah, I agree. Relegation four pointer. <laughs> yeah. I love they're both fifteenth and sixteenth on the ladder. It's very very funny. It is. And like the um, Knights, it'll be hard. Again, we have to see guys like Clune and Randall hold up to that level to play over a full season because it's difficult to do that. Hmm. They'll have some challenges, but like they have Saifidi to come back into that team, which will be huge, Daniel, when he gets back. And then I guess Home will hunt. He won't take Dom Young's spot if Dom Young keeps playing like so. that. No way. Uh, he was he was awesome. Um, yeah, Newcastle. Good on him. Happy for him. We like the Knights. Uh, they might right, be on. in team with the pod discussion. They actually they actually might be. They might they be because we you you would you would not yield on the Sharks or the Eels, and I'm obviously not allowing the Raiders. So they might they, be. they might be they they're one of the candidates to put their hand up this week. We'll give them a few they weeks. Are. We'll give them a couple of weeks, and then we could have Harry on all the time. So team of the pod, it's great. Everybody <laughs> wins. Uh, two teams who are decidedly not the team of the pod: Warriors sixteen, Dragons twenty eight. <laughs> um, uh, Kaylee Ravalawa is very 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 good, and poor old Marcelo Montoya. Did not have a good afternoon <laughs> trying to tackle him. <laughs> Rebel, he I was one of those players, like I was talking about, like Balame. Like he looked really shaky at sometimes when he came through, and I guess it's the same with a lot of the Fijian guys who've come from rugby union backgrounds. But now he's like, you know, starting to find his feet in first grade. Like he's so powerful, mate. Like you put him one on one with most wingers in the comp, and he's he's going to score. He was great on Saturday. Yeah, he has forty-one tries in fifty-two games now, Revelava pretty good it's just happened and we don't talk about it very often well it's a yeah, great strike right and i oh know that's it but like and he scored he scored lots of tries that other wingers won't purely from physicality like a lot of, a lot, a lot a gr- of wingers would not have scored that second try he scored we're just bulldozed two guys yeah like. he scores through traffic the first time marcello montoya wanted nothing to do with him he, he went he got down on the <laughs> knee and played to jesus and it's like a handout <laughs> <laughs> close close marcello but uh yeah, the, the Warriors were as dour as we kind of expected, those of us here. I thought Josh Curran was awesome. Somehow got all three Dalian points. Three Dalian points. And a loss. Sean Johnson was a, was good to he see had, him back in the Warriors. He had some nice hurt. soft hands for that second try. That was a bad yeah. Uh, Harris Savita at fullback didn't look good. True shock. We know what Cody Nicarima is, and he's been dropped already. And then, like, you know, DWZ played hurt. Uh, Violia also played hurt. But they just weren't that impressive across the park. And without Reese Walsh there, they kind of look lost a lot of the time. Like they want to play throw it to Reese. You know, you do something. And they kind of look lost and they need Torhu back for that that as well. So who have they who have they who have they got in their halves this week? They've made seven changes. Yeah. They've made seven changes. A lot of them are injury force, but yeah. Ash and Cody Ash and Chanel or the Chanel's okay. Same old thing, man. People know my thoughts on Nathan Brown through the history of this podcast. But, and he preached again about less chopping and changing. And I know almost all the changes have been injury or suspension force. Matt Lodge is back. There's DWZ and Violet are out injured. Oh, but one of them is really bad. It is. But one, and Blake Murdoch was still being dropped as well. But like before the season, he spoke about moving Harris Sabita to fullback. So they make you assume that uh, Nikarima was his locked in six, right? Because he would have had Nicarima and Johnson, and then week two, Reese Walsh comes back. But yeah. week two, Nicarima's gone, Walsh is one, Harris Vita's seven, Taylor's six. Like, um, I don't know. Uh, was it, yeah, that seems not impressing me. For, for that one week, like, what would have been so wrong with putting 
like DW's like there. I, 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 did Dallin there, or if he didn't want to do move Dallin because, but they had Jesse Arthur's has come in, and I think he's played Q Cup at fullback. He's he correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but he's like, mate. For, yeah. what's, what's wrong with doing mean? that? Like, I, I don't get why you take your best, but you're, yeah. if you want to keep that guy at the club, you don't move him around and, and you say you're the centerpiece of my team, and he plays in the six round one and round two. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now he's like, yeah. oh, it's kind of like he's, you know, just plugging holes. Yeah, and so he um, plugs in now, and he plugs in with with Ch with Ash Taylor. Who knows if that lasts a few weeks? But it's like he'll probably play with, you know, probably play with Nick Reimer in two weeks, and play with Johnson the week after, and then you expect those guys to be good. Same, same, he did the same thing at Huddersfield, where I won't bore you, but basically Sean Lund was Huddersfield's best hooker, and he let him go on loan to Leeds, and then he won the comp with Leeds. <laughs> so. You know, he's, yeah, I, I don't understand it. Personally. People know my thoughts in forever. He's not judged on wins or losses. People somehow buy the bullshit that they're going to lose. Whatever team he goes to, he says we're rebuilding. People fucking eat the eat the bullshit. And, you know, both in both instances, he was allowed to go and spend and bring in this guy like Walsh or Ponga. And those two, those two players alone make him look good. And that's it. But we just ignore the rest of it. And that's what they look like without Reese Walsh. They were terrible. They were close on the scoreboard. But they were terrible. I thought. I thought the dragons, like, oh, like the dragons are dominant from start to finish for mine. I didn't think the Warriors were in this game at any point. No, even though they were winning, and, uh, it was like it's only yeah, a matter of and, time. And this is what we thought of the dragons too on this podcast. Again, I don't think they're going to be good, but I think they're definitely not near wooden spoon contenders. They're just too many solid first grade footballers. Even the average ones, like you know, Bird and Sewell were fantastic. They were awesome in this game. As much as we don't like Jack DeBellin. He was great in this game. You know, Moses Zembai was good at hooker off the bench. Frank Molo and Josh Kerr were decent off the bench. Gusevsky sucks, but whatever. Who cares? And then the, the this... back line, like Zach Lomax, Ravalava is awesome. Ben Hunt didn't have his best game, but like there's points in him and and Sloan. That team is not coming last. They're not going to win three or four games. They're going to win seven or eight, maybe more. Yeah, they're, they're, they'll be fine. I didn't. Not, neither of us were that as lower than them as some other people were, and right, Next, so. we were yeah, lower than the Warriors. It shouldn't though, have been so. spoon favourites. All right, uh, last game of Friday night, um, Saturday. West Tiger, you know what I mean. West, <laughs> Tiger, West Tiger sixteen, Melbourne Storm twenty six. Um, I know it sounds dumb, but West threw this away. They really, they did. really did. They, they just really conceded a try it. every time. Melbourne, like their goal line defence in this game was absolute dirt. Um, and if it hadn't have been like if they were to just able to close out one or two defensive sets, they win this game. And they couldn't do it a single mm-hmm. time. Melbourne every time they got the red zone, they scored a try. I think. Okay, here's one for you. Who made the least meters of the team this weekend? As a team, well, I'm yeah. going to guess since you're asking the Melbourne store. It wasn't them, but they had the second fewest meters this okay. weekend, and the least was was the Titans. Right, surprisingly, but but they had 1,288 meters and they won a football game. Like you know, the Pan- Panthers made two thousand meters during this. I mean, did West have for comparison? West had one thousand four hundred ninety-three, but okay, like so. West outgained them, won the point of contact. We we're on top for most of the game, but this was truly the thing. Like, I know we said the Roosters thought they'd come back. We all knew the Storm were going to win this game, right? Like yeah. <laughs> when Trent Lorieros crossed, what, then they were what were they up like sixteen four. And then Trent Loriero scored. It was like, oh, this is game over. The Storm will run home here. And they did. They won by 12 in the end, even with 
the guys they lost to injury. Like George Jennings is is what is he out for the season? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Welsh the same. Welsh might be back. He's trying to come back. He might be back with the Achilles. Like Darius Boyd did his Achilles in preseason and played that year at Brisbane. And Cam Akers with all the HGH you can do in the NFL missed like sixteen weeks. So maybe Welsh <laughs> can just go take some HGH and he'll come back. But that that was you know they lost those guys. There's not much better opportunity to beat the Storm than that. And the Tigers bottled it. And I can't stomach the bullshit. They were brave anymore. I don't think many of their fans can either. They weren't fucking brave. They had a win and they blew it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. And, uh, yeah, I, I like man, Kemamalo was having a field day out on that wing. Luke Brooks had some nice kicks. They they really looked good in that first half, but they definitely left some points out there and they did not play well after the after the break. Kemamalo called his fucking number. Like yeah. he was like hand in the air screaming for the ball like he had a mismatch. And I was like, I, I was like, are we sure this is the, the same Ken Marmolo? Got on meat hands over there. Got up though, caught it. Great try. It was awesome. And yeah, they had all that energy, but you just can't trust them. And their goal line defense is still piss poor. And there's the personnel has changed every year. Like, who's to blame? Apparently not the coach, but yeah, who's like if they keep if they can't defend on the edges still, it's yeah. terrible. Like Kemamalo's best game. records against the storm, actually. I think he scores. I remember he scored a hat trick before he left the Warriors and then he cried because he's been forced out of the club. Um, and then you kind of yeah, I mean like there's a lot of those guys. I mean, I know Madge has changed a lot of the roster, but there's still a lot of those guys who were there from, for him from year one. Like, like Twiles, yeah. the, probably the best example. Like, obviously, Luch went there. Um, Luke Garner, Alex Safarth. Like, and obviously, Brooks. It's all like, you feel like there's an, an enough as like, not exactly the best defender ever. Uh, he was all right in this yeah. game, I thought. But yeah, it's like one of those where it's like, they've gone through this whole rebuild, recycle thing and, and they've got a lot of players who maybe two, three years' time are going to be there, but I don't think much will be the coach like who sees them no. to the other side. But it, it's not even a particularly young team, though. That's the thing. Like They lost this like a young team and lose. It's like, again, Luke Brooks has been there for like 20, 200 games. Learn how to fucking kick. Like, learn how to, <laughs> like when your team's down or your team, you're holding a small lead, maybe figure out what you're supposed to do. Like, I want to get this team down the field and pin the other team in X location and make them work out of that corner. Maybe figure that out. But they don't. Yeah. They can't. And I can't stand it. I know it's probably really critical for a team that only lost to the Storm in round one, but it's just the same old shit. They can't take advantage of anything they do. They had 55% of the ball and they lost. Like, like whatever. And the female about Marlo, he has 10 tries and 11 games against the Storm. Good stat, yeah. George. Good spot. His next best is six tries and nine against Manly. But yeah, that's so whatever. find out when the Tigers play play. Melbourne next. Storm um, again. That's it. Get, get Storm minus three on the handicap, but um, yeah. Lamalo two tries. And there were some good performances for the Tigers. There were, like, I thought with Jukamanu, it looks like he's going another level again. Hastings looks like he's the better half there. Gildart looked at home. First game in the NRL. He have to get up to the speed of the game, but he looked at home. He looked like a decentish signing. So I thought there was positives, but it's, it's hard for me to take anything positive or anything brave out of a loss like that. I don't care who it was against. Like the storm had lost cattle, and again the storm were the ones who did not have George Jennings. They were down a back, they were down Brandon Smith from kickoff. They had Tom Wishart played seventy eight minutes. Like they were the ones who were taking advantage of edges. You know when they when they when they had you know one of their wingers missing and they had what Trent Loriero out there. Yeah, um, 
I don't know. Like, did you guys think that was a cannonball tackle? Because he got a fine yes. for it. Um, like, should, are these kids going to be a thing again now? Like, because I don't like yeah. that just being a fine. Yeah, he, he should. For me, he should have been suspended. Like, that was like a, a he absolutely went gunning for his his knees. And like, I think we Luch was up for media today and said, you know, my knee's still not right. And this, like, hmm. you know, someone's going to do an ACL and then we're all going to go shit. This is bad. We need to stamp this out. And there was obviously a couple in the trial, I think, as well. Was it Lindsay Collins on Jackson Hastings from memory? But, like, mm. there are all these instances, and now it seem, kind of seems like oh, a fine is a bit of a, a soft approach. And, like, you speak to the RLPA, and they'll tell you that players aren't deterred by fines. They're deterred by, like, mm-hmm. suspensions. And I imagine Trent Loyero's contract probably has some triggers in it where he gets paid, you know, gets paid according to the number of games he plays. Well, he probably but has he- match payments at his age, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or even if you play 15 games, we'll give you a yeah. 25 grand bonus, whatever it is. So it's, it's in his favor to, I don't think it was malicious, but like, you know, it's one of those where just don't attack the knees. Like, you got the thighs and the and the calves to him. It, it does my head in, George, mate, because we, we, we can all now understand that attacking the head is bad, hitting the head is bad. How can we understand hitting someone on the knees is terrible? Like, yeah. You know, the damage you can do to someone there, not only can it be damage they miss the next year, it can be if you it can be damage they have for the rest of their life when you take someone's knee, like knee out, do something to their tendons there. Like we don't know how guys recover from it. We've seen dudes who, you know, they'll do their PCL, MCL, ACL on the same time, and then they'll have surgeries and complications and surgeries and miss all of a sudden they miss two, three years. Like you see that happen in many a sport, not just the NRL, and you only get a fine for doing that. Did yeah. literally Leonardo Lua have to like actually tear something? It's stupid. And I don't want to give you a bitch about judiciary, but it, I, I can't stand that. I don't know why they moved the goalpost just before the season, like on the evil. And a lot of the things that they players wanted resolved, they didn't get resolved. And it was like, it's kind of like we've gone down that path of like magic round into head high, don't touch the head, mm. don't touch the head. Head high gives you contact, yeah, concussion. Concussion gives you CT, blah, 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 blah. But in actual fact, most concussions are coming from like, being the tackler and getting your head in the wrong place mm-hmm. and then we go back and now it's like oh well if you i mean i know kind of balls are different but still like it's a it, it can be seen as a, an attempt to maim an opponent like an injury 100 so it's like like i mean maybe loyera got it wrong right but still to go and attack the knees is, it comes with a danger and you've got to take the the, the consequences that come with that that's it mate it was it was more considered than the other ones I've seen. He, he was definitely tackle was pretty much over and he walked in and did it, you know? And obviously he, no one ever, ever intends to hurt another person in or, or they rarely do, but he did the lazy thing, you know, the easy thing. I went down there, pick his legs up or whatever. And that, you know, you should probably pay a punishment for that. And he, and he hasn't, which, which is unfortunate, but the late change you said, mate, that's just the RPA are frothing again. We've never seen the RPA so mad in the last year. We've never heard from them, but, you don't tell them when things are happening and things just get changed and yeah, they're going to be mad. Yeah. Um, uh, it, Jerome Hughes is was, awesome. Yeah. He played really well. Uh, he's going to have to do more this year, obviously. Well, and gosh, we're just going to lose to these pricks by 40 tomorrow. I mean, that's it. Like a, like a lot of, it's actually the worst storm bench I've seen outside of origin in a long time. This yeah, week. Great. I wonder if they'll win. Like, like we always talk about the storm. They're getting impacted by, you know, the players leaving in some of this is the first, like, first time in a long time I looked at it and going, geez, that's not a crash hole. That, bench, that team is that team is not great, and I still think they'll beat us by 30. Yeah, like it's not great. Uh, and but Munster's back, which is a big difference, obviously. Brandon Smith, as you know, is gone. Christian Welch is gone. Tui Kamakamitha has his legal issues. So you look at the bench and it's Tyron Wishart, 
Alec McDonald, Trent Loiero, and Tepo Moroa. Not great. George is punching the air right now. Um, yeah. yeah, look, it's 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 yeah, it's a really weak storm team on paper, but they'll still pump us. Uh, all right, a couple of games on Sunday as well. Really fun first half, crazy first half between Paramount and the Titans. Second half a lot more subdued, but mm. Paramount get it done. 32-20. I did enjoy people losing their fucking mind about Mitch Moses taking a minute and a half to kick that penalty goal, even though like that's everyone would. Allowed. And also, well, the Titans were going to win from there, were they? Yeah. The thing that makes me laugh is people <laughs> would have turned around and be like, "Oh, Mitchell Moses." If he'd not done that, people would have been like, "Mitchell Moses, he showed no composure. Shouldn't he know to take time off the clock?" Like, yeah, say, the Titans have gone the other end. I, I was actually covering that game for work, and it was like the most. It was like watching a sevens game. Um, first half was like the same. Amount, yeah, it was, it was nuts. What was it like? Like forty-eight points in the first half, and then we had like yeah ten in the second. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head, but something like yeah, that. Yeah, like 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 Paris. Paris, obviously. I mean, it's probably one of those where it's like, oh, it's first up. Everyone's a bit dusty. I, I kind of like Brian Matson moving to lock for them. I think that might be his mm-hmm. best position. He was had some good stuff there when he was at the Tigers, and then decided he wanted to get paid more, so went to Parramatta. Um, <laughs> and then. Like obviously the big big area of concern for them. I know they've gone Wagga Blake on the wing and Tom Opacic at centre uh, this weekend because there's Sean Russell going down injured. But um, yeah, they're they're one they're one injury away in the backs from being you know having to get someone from New nice. South Wales Cup because like I mean I think they have got Hayes Perham there. I think who is at the Warriors, but like yeah, Sean Sean Russell's out for the next six weeks punctured along. Like I don't know what you fellas made of that thing. I thought he was going for the ball. I uh, thought it was probably fine. fine. I thought, it was, I thought yeah. it was fine, but I could see why people would be like, you know, given the Dylan Brown, Drew Hutchinson thing, uh, what was that last year? Um, mm. How people might get upset by that. I think the thing that helped Campbell was that he was like, he's already sliding by the time Russell was diving. So it wasn't like he didn't drop his weight on him like, um, like Brown kind of did from memory. Yeah. I thought it was probably fine. Poor, poor Russell. That's unfortunate. So he had a crazy start to the game. Um, yeah, very, very weird game. The Titans have these every now and again. But yeah, for Parramatta, I don't know. Like, defensively, like, very, very weird. Just such a weird game in that first half as well. And like, there was that moment where Fafita burst down the right and they scored on the left to play later, like, just after scoring points. Like, things like that probably concern you if you're an Eels fan. But at the same time, I mean, they still won. But yeah, not the, mo- not the, not the mature, composed performance you'd expect from your premiership contenders against a team that no one's expecting too much of this year. Yeah, it was the first game that felt 6 again again, and of course it was the Titans in it. But yeah, the, the Eels, their attack looks slick as, and I really loved how all over the park Mitch Moses was in it. Looked great for the first half an hour, but their yeah, defense was like equally flimsy. I think my main takeaway from the game for the Eels was, and everyone knows this, but it's like, how the fuck do they let Reed Marnie leave? It's crazy. He's so good. He was so the good only every thing off season. The only thing I've been thinking about that, right, is... Kind of, I think when we did the podcast last time, I, they just let him go. And I was like, what a kind of disaster that is. But two things have occurred to me the last couple of weeks is they clearly grew in Brad Arthur's son, not Jake. His name escapes me. He's playing lower grades now. I think he's like 18. He's probably going to be the long term hooker. It's like if they were prepared to, to keep Marnie, like, well, you know, he's always had his shoulder issues. So I'm wondering, like, is there, is there more stuff there that we don't know about? Um, Mm. I can't remember what Arthur's son's called, but yeah, it's like good hookers. Good luck so finding his son's fun. name yeah, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Jacob. Uh, 
but yeah, it's, it's type like... Brad Arthur's son minus Jacob. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, I, I thought I thought he's great, and I actually think um, uh, I thought the Titans did pretty well. I think they were unlucky to get a few calls, and, and Holbrook came into the press conference, and it's weird, like because it's Justin Holbrook's usually pretty calm, and he was like first game. It was a very weird time to give like the spray at kind of like the match officials when he just lost in round one, but he chose mm. to give it give it then. He's not been fined yet, which is surprising. But um, yeah, said a I lot mean, of weird I... things about leaving 50-50s to be fifty fifties. Like, what yeah. does that mean? <laughs> I think he's talking about. Remember, so yeah, I mean, don't get into the intricacies of it, but it was like they had a one that the Paramount challenged a knock on. Uh, from Will Smith, who's now playing for the Titans, they won it, and then there was one in very similar circumstances that went the Eels' favor again. And um, mm. yeah, I think they were just kind of pissed. I think he was kind of pissed off about that, to be honest. Um, yeah, they got three challenges overturned. The Eels did, which is there's only been two other teams to get three or more in a game since the rule came in. So yeah, they did quite well on the challenges. There you go. So yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. There's a lot to like about that Titans team, like. I just, yeah, in a gritty game, I'm not sure I'd be putting my money on them. Um, yeah, they'd be contenders to team of the pod if they weren't on the Gold Coast. <laughs> but alas, uh, they cannot be. Tom Mofotwaker was great, actually. He's, he's really good. But yeah, that Reed Marnie stuff, like, I understand letting him go. Like I, I, I don't like being that person that hammers a team for letting X or Y go. But it was like, they didn't lose him for the like 800k a year. And I know they may or may not be grooming Brad Arthur's son, but like still, Reed Marnie is really good now. And he lost him for like 600, 650, probably paying Hodgson close to that. And every offseason he's come out and he's looked a better player. And this was again this year. He came out, kicked a 40-20. Like the opening try he they scored was him going down a short side, like overcalling, going down the short side and, and with Gutho and they, and, they, and they set up a try down there. Like He was awesome with the ball in hand. And he keeps adding that to his game that way. And it just feels like, I don't know how you can have a hooker like that and let him walk without that's one blowing you out of the water. And I don't give a shit whose son is in who's 18. Like, cause we've all been there. We've all done the thing that 18 year old is going to go and be that. It's like, well, that 18 year old can go and be that, but let's have Reed for three more years and see what happens. You know, maybe he can take his yeah. job. So I hated that, but yeah, there, there was some obvious poor signs with the Eels defense. And you, or you wouldn't really expect that from them, but I don't know. Maybe it gets better. The Titans, as you said, impressive. Toby Sexton looks like a first grade footballer. Uh, still some weird holes there, though. Like, that's still that edge that, like, Kevin Proctor lost to both Firmore. Still not loving what Firm was putting on tape in first grade. You know, uh, I don't know. I'm confused there. And there just seems to be, like, a lot of the same kind of back who can do good things, also really stupid things. Mm. And, like, Patrick Herbert is the a great example of that. Hey, I'll tell you what was but good. That yeah, he, no, 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 the best thing of the entire weekend, though, of the weekend, yeah. I don't care they fucking lost. People act like it matters they lost. It does not matter. Philip Sami doing the Gutherson dance, whatever the fuck it's called, to, to Clinton Gutherson after scoring, even though he didn't, he scored over somebody else. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> the Gutho dance to Gutho. King Philip got the court yes to Gutherson on tape. The most NBA thing I've seen a player ever do in the NRL. It was fucking awesome. And I can't, I hope people do more of that shit. Like there's not many other people have seen Yeah, I mean you can't like do you know the Latrell Mitchell celebrations as racist because not many guys have their own celebrations in response. But I want to see more people doing it in Gutho's face. That was great. <laughs> yep, hundred percent agree. The first All right, King and the Phillip. last and 
And the last game of the round, uh, Bulldogs six, Cowboys four. Uh, congratulations to the Bulldogs. Um, I, I don't know. This game was awful. This game was so bad. Um, bad. I didn't. I can't believe the halves combination of Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend would struggle to score points. The funny thing is, I thought Dearden was like actually good. I thought he played well in the first half. <laughs> I think he was a bit yeah, lost later good. on. But, yeah. Um, how we mentioned earlier, how I mentioned that the most meters, at least second, sorry, fewest meters of the round was the Storm. The most meters were the second most meters were the Cowboys. Oh. They were like moving upfield heaps, but they could never like complete a set. They'd like motor upfield and then drop the fucking ball. Yeah. They were awful. I mean, they, they, they were like Souths, I think they thought they could just turn up and win. Like that did and set up for the first try was great, but also was mixed with Jack Havina being an idiot. And you get a couple of those moments in the game and they took advantage of it, but he's not going to be an idiot the entire game. Like, he's not going to like well, step out of line the entire Well, he will, but like, know, you Jack know, you can't, yeah, you can't score points off it every time. And he got Simbid as well. Whatever. He got Dalian points somehow. Again, terrible. But it's just, again, the same thing with this Cowboys. We spoke about it preseason. It's like, we can, you really like a lot of the players, and but it's like how they're put together. Like, Tom Gilbert was awesome, but Highland Lukey was benched for Tom Gilbert to start. And Gilbert played 75 minutes, was awesome in the middle, and I'm glad to see him kicking on. But now it's like, so Lukey's there. Tamalolo started a prop, which is fine. I don't mind that. Still didn't play many minutes. People hammered it, but whatever. It didn't really change the game, but it's like, Dearden and Townsend is a classic, like on paper move. Like you think two solid guys do their job, know their role, you know, good defense can kick, you know, they're both vocal. Sounds great. Whereas Scotty Drinkwater, you know, got points in him, but mistakes and bad defense and whatever. And, you know, so I can see on paper, it sounds great. And then the game starts, you're like, fuck, we need some points. <laughs> like, but what do we do bring, now? You bring him back in and you're like, you bring Drinkwater back in and you're like, oh shit, you missed three. Three tackles that led to tries. Do you know what I mean? This like, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, know it's, it's a tough balance then, but fuck, they like have you on the bench over Granville, honestly. Yeah, they like Granville in that kind of like when he came on a lot about the back end of last year and kind of gave himself a bit of you know he added something off the bench last year. So they've obviously gone with that, but mate, as soon as they can, they, they, their rosters in all sorts. Like obviously they'll lose Jordan McLean this year, but yeah, I mean. You're paying Chad 700, Val a million, uh, Tamalola a million. They must have given Hammer a, a fair upgrade. Carl Feltz probably got, you know, his contract when he was still at the peak of his powers. Like, yeah, it's a mess. Like, even if they got, even if, like, say they go on a 10 match losing streak and sack Peyton, like, what can the coach do to, to rectify the roster? Because it's also yeah. set in stone. So, yeah, I think people overrate right sometimes that the, what the coach does with the roster and the Cowboys is a team the coach has no control pretty much oh and they got Luciano Lolo going there for like 650 so I mean like again like Luci's great running with the ball but I'm like yeah. defensively there's some, some issues there like but in, yeah in this game when they were needing points in the last seven minutes they had blind short side hit ups on the goal line twice the last play of the game, they went short side hit up with Cohen Hess. They also did it in the 73rd minute with Jason Tamalolo. And if you look at that, you're like, what? Like, there's two apparent leaders in the halves there. They're not calling for the ball. Like, what are you doing? That's what you set up for at the end of the set. The team that has, you know, Holmes and Felt and uh, the Hammer and uh, even Hiku can create points. You know, Jeremiah Nana look likely. They have all those guys. 
and their trick shot is a hit up. Like, yeah. <laughs> the whole game, I thought the entire game, right? That entire game, if they stretched the, they didn't do it once, but if they stretched the, the Bulldogs left, they worked left and came back right, they were going to score. Nano was breaking tackles every time he got the ball. If they hit them left and came back right, they were going to score. They never goddamn did it. They went short right and then short left, never got out of the middle of the field. Not once did they get a nice attacking kick off to Cole Felt. Like, and this team is, there's too many experienced players to not know this stuff. Like Chad and did like Dean's learning, but Chad's got to be able to steer them better than that. Granville has to do that better than that. It's a, it's a good, it's a decent pack. There's some decent backs there. It's just terrible. Like, and to lose that game, like you, then you start looking at the calendar. Where's the next one coming? Yeah. I mean, I guess the Bulldogs have studied them on their drones or something in the build-up to this oh, one. The, Bulldog, the Bulldogs uh, were terrible as well, weren't they? They jagged a winner, which would feel great for their fans. But like, if you're the Cowboys, right, you probably pick out we could beat the Broncos because our guys get up for that game. The next mm-hmm. win on the calendar, I can't see them winning a game. Like, they'll that, probably jag one or two. But I know the Bulldogs won, but this, this, they, they looked by far the worst two teams that I saw play this the week. Spoon Bowl. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, NRL, NRLW. Um, some really... Some really good games this week. Um, some good performances. I think that first game, Mitch, the Broncos win, is probably the best game of NRLW we've seen, maybe. I think it might be fair. Quality was mm-hmm. pretty high. Um, Parramatta were really good as well. Um, George, you 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 want to talk about NRLW a little bit? What are your takeaways from the early part of the season so far? Oh, well, my, my, my points were more going to be widely on the, the news we got on yeah, Tuesday about the expansion. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think this this competition, like first year of it being expanded, I was thinking there'd be a few more blowouts. And like I think, you know, the Broncos obviously by far and away the best team, but like um I thought the Dragons gave them a really good run for their money on the weekend and like it's they great. took a couple of chances. Like, I thought it was the best game of NRL that we I, I can remember in mm. the last couple of years. I mean obviously probably on, but like yeah, I thought that was really high quality and like just came down to a few moments and you know, it was, it was a try in it, whatever. Um even though like the Broncos put the Knights to the sword a couple of weeks ago, I think the gap is closing a bit. And obviously some of the Broncos girls have to move to the Titans and there's been, yeah, all these announcements the last couple of days um, about how, where the competition's going. Like I think for me, so I, I went to the season launch in Newcastle um, and speaking to all the players there, they were like, we don't want more teams. We don't want to go like the AFLW and like the, the W League where you have too many teams and you dilute the talent mm-hmm. pool and then you end up with thumpings. Like there was an AFLW round a couple of weeks ago where two team teams didn't score didn't a point. Score a goal. Yeah. Just didn't score a goal. Someone lost like 81 nil um, or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So you, like you don't want that. And the good thing about the NRLW is like, you know, anyone can bar the Broncos, but we've, as we said, we saw this weekend, like anyone can push anyone pretty close. I think the danger the game will go in is like watering down the quality. And then you're going to have lopsided scorelines. So I don't know if they should have gone home and away season first. And I don't know if mm. every club having a team is good. So that's my yeah, big concern. And also the players aren't going to get, they're going to get paid a bit more. But the thing they most want is, you know, you know, the, the top players are going to earn 20 grand or so. But they want to have that as a full-time gig, you know? Yeah, that's it. And, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm obviously pro the league growing, but and it just seems like the, we haven't got patience in the game at the moment, and it just feels like that should have been like a five or six year plan. 
and you know we'll go in three years we'll add two more teams and then three years we'll add two more teams we haven't got that patience anymore and i was actually argued heaps of times with people who wanted more nrlw teams it's like no like let's be patient let it grow slowly and then it'll be a great oh, more product games. so yeah. it grows more games yes but like let it grow a bit longer and then it'll be so you know i'm i'm not too upset with the 10 teams. I just wish it was a couple of years further down the track for the reasons you said, George, is that no, they don't believe there's talent for more for a bit more growth. But you know, the numbers again, the cash incentives isn't big enough to force girls to move, to make the girls move clubs. There's real possibilities again that teams like the Broncos will still stay stacked because the girls are not have an incentive to move. And then there'll be a team that comes in that is the dregs of the dregs from Tasha Gale and gets smashed every week and that's not a great look for it so they have that issue no. to address but yeah going oh, we'll, we'll to talk ten, about this game sorry you're back. yeah 10 10 teams within two years is insane like you're you're completely right the aflw example i think is perfect and the fact that we've literally got a like a blueprint that shows us why this is a bad idea in front of us and we're just ignoring it and i don't know what their reasons are it's probably money like everything else but yeah i, I have to say like i i want more games and I'd like having, I'd like watching the NRLW. I'd love for Souths to have a team, but hey, they won't be one of those new four teams anyway because it's all fucking bullshit. But, um, and it, it's just like there's no, I just don't think, and you're, I'm the same as you, George. I've asked a few of the players and they've said the same thing. They don't want, they don't, they, they, they want the talent pool to keep growing rather than just instantly chucking some people in the deep end who are not ready. And that's what will happen. As Mitch said, you'll get, You'll get girls who play Tasha Gower Cup or or Harvey Norman New Wales Premiership and who just who are just several levels below like the top players mm-hmm. and it will get very ugly very quickly. I yeah. guess and it feels kind of weird to trade like an afterthought for so long and then just throw that many teams in. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And I, mate, Mitchell, I, as I said to you both, I was at the launch in Newcastle and asked Andrew Abdul like, "What's the commission's blueprint?" And he was like, "Oh, I can't remember his exact answer, but it wasn't like, oh, we're all about." investing in the grassroots to grow the game which sounded to me at the time like oh they're not kind of interested in expansion slash full-time professionalism yet like it was more like oh we're going to do this and then hopefully in five years time those all those players will come through and then we'll be able to do those things but it seems like they're going full steam ahead i, I get i guess the other thing with that is you know what's the what's, what's the end goal does every nrl club want to have a team because like i'd say that's probably not sustainable in its current model, like where do you add the teams? Do you add them strategically, like geographically, or do you, and do they have to be affiliated to NRL clubs? Is there a way you could engage, like, you know, other sides in the competition that aren't just the NRL 16 clubs? Like, could you have a team in Perth, yeah. for example, or New, or New Zealand? Um, I know the Warriors yeah, would want one in Wellington. Yeah. Yeah. I do, again, so it still isn't fixing, they can only sign year to year still. And that doesn't help the girls either with security. They can only sign year to year. And yeah, I know obviously we don't want to always side fully with the the guys playing. So obviously the people playing now do want to say we want full-time deals, more money and more security because they always will. Like, doesn't mean it's yeah. best for the game, but it just feels like they don't, they're bit, they don't really seem to, their opinion doesn't seem to matter how the game's going currently. They're like a commodity. Like they turn, yeah. they get told to where they're supposed to play, how much they, they get paid that much. It's not and great. Two. Two origins instead of three is just weird to me. Why? Why not just have three? Just have three. I don't know. What? Why? Who? How unsatisfying is it going to be when the series ends? What, remember in the Bledisloe Cup used to end like one all all the fucking time, and it was just dumb. It was like, why is it? Why and, do we do this? Team like, pains. I don't know. 
stupid. Just make know. it three games. You can have two. You can have fucking three. Jesus Christ. Terrible. Yeah. But when, we'll go back when, quickly when, to that. When are they going to play it? The, the biggest thing for me is as well, because I actually think this time of year has been really good for that competition. Like playing it before the NRL men gives it, gives it its own time in the sun. You then feed into the regular, the start of the men's regular season. You've got the games going as double headers. So like I was at Parramatta on, on Sunday and it was great that there were so many people there before the men's game to watch the women. Yeah. And that was Paramount's first home game. Like, yeah, I don't know when the ideal time well, is. To my my the, simple solution, my solution would be you pick two rounds, you pick two rounds of the NRL season, whatever. And on those two rounds, you move the Saturday 7.30 game to Monday night football and you play the women's game at 7.30 on Saturday night. Yeah. Problem solved. Not hard. I don't know. That but sounds I mean, really easy, so, but... Is that for the origins you're talking? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Seems like a very simple solution. Yeah. But yeah, for whether play the actual women's comp, George, I don't think it should clash too much with the men's. Like I know people think it should for some reason, but it's like, I think where it is now is good, or I don't mind the finals one either. Where it is now is good because everyone wants footy again. Yeah. So they'll, they'll watch it. So maybe, and I don't final, know. That's fi- finals is great because people have their appetite for footy and there's fewer men's games. So yeah, but don't yeah. play across the same season. People are Sorry, so I, much. I misunderstood what you were saying. Base. I thought you were talking about origin, not the actual no, season. Fine. But yeah, so yeah. No, yeah, like, no you're right. There. You can't August or February. Yeah, or you could. Could you do? I mean, is it a bit? Is it a bit? Uh, what's the word? Is it a bit hokey to do two comps a year? Like at this time and at the end Probably, of the year, I don't yeah. know. Probably is, but fuck, I don't know. Um, I yeah, want to play right. more games, get more money, and I, look, look. I don't know if 10 teams is, is a good call. Probably not, but more money, salary cap going up is good. Yeah. So I will um I will touch back quickly on that Dragons Broncos game before we move yeah. on. Just yeah. um just to say like yeah, it was the best game I've seen so far. And and honestly, Brisbane only won that in my opinion because they're just they've been a team together so long. They just have, they, their shape and their and their structured play is just much better than everyone else's. And pretty much they fell back on that. They had lots of sets at the end there. They're like the Dragons were winning the middle. You know, the Broncos were on the line and some of the Dragons were putting big shots on. But the Broncos can fall into shape so easily and so quickly. They, they scored in the corner a couple of times and Lauren Brown's a hack that she can kick from the sideline. But, uh, like, yeah, that's that's where they win now. They've been a better coach team for a long time. But also they just they've played together for so long they can just fall back into that. And other teams haven't really got that yet. And they'll get there. And, you know, maybe by the finals, the Dragons have a bit more of that going on for them. But I actually the Dragons individually, woman to woman, outplayed the Broncos. But the yeah. Broncos were able to fall back into some shapes and use some backline plays they've used for a while to win that game. And it's kind of like when you see it in the NRL sometimes and over the years you'd see like Roosters being an arm wrestle and then they get down to the other team's goal line, they'd score their first opportunity. Like, yeah, that's because they're good at doing that. You know, and that's what it <laughs> felt like for me. Well, Dragons, I mean, Rachel Pearson's been great for them. Um, Tonegato as well, but yeah, Jamie Sowell's been a revelation coaching wise. He's been they've been really solid all three games. I stood up for him before this comp. Elsie Albert as well. Like that's the good thing about the you know more professionalism. Like she's like come had to come from PNG. She like had issues with her visa. She had issues with like getting into the country because of the the setup. It's like there's surely more Elsie Alberts knocking out around there, and there's girls playing in England and France, New Zealand who would. Who would happily come over? I guess like having a settled calendar gives them that solidity, and then they can pick up work or study or whatever the other things are to complement the 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 footy side of things. But she she's she's been great. She's one of my favourite players to watch, and like yeah, you know, um, it's like a train her against Millie Boyle and um, 
Chelsea Werner Ducey was good. And I liked uh, the other Dragons prop. I think it was Sagano. Um, she just came on at one point after she'd done an interchange and just like pushed Ali Brigginshaw just to like kind of intimidate her. I thought it was good like going after an Ali Brigginshaw just like, kind of laughed at her face. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think the I think Parramatta, St. George, Brisbane are clearly the three best teams this year. I think that Parramatta are a step below the other two probably, but then a little bit of a drop off to the rest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've really enjoyed the comp so far this year. It's been, it's been pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. Is it? Is it top four finals? Yeah, uh, I think it is. They do, they they don't do like a first going straight to the final two v three thing. Surely, no, no. I'm looking up. No, no. Top four straight top four. There you go. All right. Well, and one one, yeah. one place four and, and four yeah. Players. So I guess it's yeah. massive to finish in that top three. Then you avoid the Broncos until the grand final. But yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, is that it? Is that everything? George, yeah, I just want to say, firstly, we're not going to rule change with bang. I'm not going to bang that all the time, but fuck, it was good this round of footy. <laughs> Having penalties back, footy, it was, I don't know what anyone thinks, but it was so much better this round. And I already put some numbers out now on Twitter. I'll read them here anyway. It was the lowest average margin of any round since the start of last year, bar the grand final, obviously. It's like four and a half points, whatever it was per game, teams won by. It's the first regular season round since round one, 2020 without a team winning by 24 points or more. And only two 13-plus games. There was no rounds with less of those last year. Like, the games were so many more grinds, so many more games that were still in the balance at halftime. They were almost all within one score at halftime. I love the footy like that. And I know I want penalties back the whole field. I do, and I don't want to give up on that and act like this has satiated me. But it was just good to see this is what the fucking point of penalties was in the first place. To deter pinning teams down... And to reward teams if they do sit penalty down there. Like people were like when I when I posted that on Twitter asking, oh, but there was not that many penalties. It's not just about the penalties, it's also about that the threat of penalties makes teams stay onside. Mm. There was no threat of that last year. Teams pinned each other down, good team got on top, pinned the other team down in their half, ground them out, and then smashed them. And that wasn't a possibility. And even if you do it now, you get penalized, and the thing gets 40 meters, not another tackle. You yeah. know, it was great. And hopefully, uh, there were still some bad six again things. Only a couple of games had a lot of six agains. Like the only real blowout of the weekend had nine of them, by the way. And then the rest of the games was, had 18 six again. Six of them were South, from in our game. South, South got like three in one set at the end of the game when yeah, they were driving so, to tie the game. It was like, great. These you, are really helpful. Thank you. You got one, but before, before half time, you had a, a, a space like that too against us. But there were six yeah. in that game as well. Most of them didn't have any. The Cowboys game on, on Sunday night, they also gave some away. They probably should have got Simbian. But mostly, footy was better. And yeah, yeah like who gives a you. shit about all the points scored? Close games are better. What a shock. Yeah. Uh, I watch every minute. All right, uh, George, anything you want to plug before we go? Nah. Good. Plug your own stuff, lads. Nah. Uh, nah. nah. Nothing really. Read a piece of our stuff. Read it. Yeah, do, do it. that. It's, it's we're pretty good. good. We're, ni- we're yeah. nice guys. No agendas. So. <laughs> I don't know. That's Scott Bailey character. He's, he's pretty unsavory. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we're all behind all right. the beer bet now, aren't we? The Bulldogs are. Let's let's not let's <laughs> let's fucking hell. Jesus Christ! All right, all right. Thank you, George, for coming on. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. And say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from it. <laughs>